Hi, this is Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Skaboom Stories, which is the audio companion to my new book, Skaboom, an American Ska and Reggae Oral History, which is available for pre-sale through DeWolf Publishing. More information on that in a bit. Now that the book is finally finished and going into production, I'm planning to share a behind-the-scenes look at what to expect from the book. In 400-plus pages across 19 chapters, I've attempted to knit together the origin stories of groups of passionate musical pioneers who helped create a uniquely American version of ska and reggae. These bands of like-minded young musicians, influenced by Jamaican reggae and two-tone from the UK, as well as American soul and punk, came together during the early and mid-80s. Spurred on by the devastating socioeconomic impact of Ronald Reagan's Morning in America, which was making life miserable for many people, these musicians, many in their teens and early 20s, combined music, fashion, and political and social commentary into a heady and intoxicating mix of ska. The more musically proficient and adventurous among them recorded demos, EPs, and LPs, and a few, buoyed by the response they received in their hometowns, ventured out to tour the country, further helping to spread the gospel of ska wherever they went. Most of the bands featured in Ska Boom existed long before the advent of the internet and smartphones, so there is very little visual or written evidence of the essential role they played in creating an American ska subculture that continues to thrive today. My hope is that this book will finally get these musicians and bands the respect they truly deserve for laying the groundwork for all that would come later. My mission statement with the book, to quote Maya Angelou, is, if you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. But this episode isn't about what's on the inside of the book. It's about what's on the outside. More specifically, the reason I chose to put a picture of Clyde Grimes, guitarist for Los Angeles mod ska band The Untouchables, on the cover of the book. In my opinion, the picture of Clyde captures the energy and possibility that was such a huge part of the mid-80s ska scene that's documented in the book. Personally, I think the picture of Clyde is among one of the most iconic American music photos of all time. But how did it come about? Well, I met the Untouchables through the band X. Um, the Untouchables opened for them at one point, and Billy Zoom, who you know is a an incredible rockabilly punk guitarist also was an avid uh, uh, scooter guy and he built a uh, uh, one custom scooter one that I had the opportunity to take a picture of uh, of him uh, on in my studio for Twist Magazine so uh, if you look at the uh, Live and Let Dance album on the back they thank many people and one of them is just an x for the band x so even though it was mod you know punk you know which was supposed to be different uh these guys were great comrades they got along really well x was further along so um 
they they help the untouchables. That's Frank Gargani, a noted L.A. rock music photographer who took many photos of the band X. He took the photo of Clyde, which ended up becoming a potent symbol of American ska and more. The band's manager, Dave Lumian, could not get the Untouchables a record deal, despite all the sold-out shows they were playing across California in the early 80s. Lumian decided to borrow a small amount of money and started Twist Records, named after the L.A. ska mod scene magazine he had launched shortly before the Live and Let Dance EP was recorded in 1983. Lumian contacted Gargani and asked him to take photos for the EP art that would capture their live energy. This was kind of later in 1983. Uh, at that point, I had shot many group shots of The Untouchables in my studio and on location. I also shot many live shows. And uh, uh, so, I, you know, I, I knew the band really well uh, as, I, I don't know if I was their primary photographer or what, but I should sure shot them a lot and shot them for Twist and... Uh, cover of Twist and the cover of Bam and just did a lot of things with them. So um, Clyde to me was kind of like a, eh, you know, he was comparable if you wanted to throw names out to a Sam Cooke in style. Uh, the way he dressed and all was impeccable. He was extremely beautiful. Um, he had a personality um, that was confident, but yet he expressed humility to me and respect for me as a photographer, um, as well as the other members of the band. They, they were, you know, all really great guys and very positive in what they were doing. Um, didn't have the, uh, a lot of the negative uh, overtones that uh, kind of hung, hung out in the punk scene. Um, you know, you know naming, naming this album Live and Let Dance, uh, it was very positive. So, uh, you know, anyone that attended a UT show would experience, you know, the extreme energy and the harmony of them turning out a show that was more or less a blessing of balanced recklessness, where, you know, the energy was so high, at any point, you know, Clyde or Kevin or Chuck would go airborne. The jumps were like a dream for me as a photographer in uh, you know, I got to experience that and, and photograph that and capture whatever I could. But it was really impossible to capture all the energy in one shot, you know, just to get them all looking at the camera at the same time with one up in the air and another one dancing or whatever was, was really a blessing. It was really, you know, blessings came to me as a photographer, and I, I, I very much appreciated that. The Live and Let Dance EP was a hit selling 40,000 copies. And the photo of Clyde had a seismic effect on the band's image. Gargani shared what it was like to photograph Clyde, who he called a perfect subject, and shared that the image that we all know and love was the third of 36 frames he took of Clyde during the shoot. Rather than shooting them as a group, um, the concept was to shoot them all individually, uh, to put them on a cove and let them each do their thing. Uh, almost as if um, they were doing selfies. That, I mean, using that term is now an everyday term here. But, you know, a photographer who allows a subject to present their soul uh, has to acknowledge that it's about 
It's about their subject and not about them. So um, basically, I had uh, one role for each band member, seven of them, and uh, 36 frames each. And, you know, they all got up and did their thing, you know, whether it was jumping or playing, uh, you know, an instrument or, or dancing or whatever. Um, Clyde and this image was the third frame of 36. I mean, he was so incredible, so, so incredible in front of the camera. He had it nailed. Every single detail, every single fraction of his image is like perfection to me. Uh, and it was in three frames. Now, naturally, you don't stop after three frames. You keep shooting. But uh, but he knew what he was doing. He really, really had it nailed. So to me, that takes a lot in the way of study, research, learning about music, learning about style, learning about lifestyle. Um, and, it, you know, it was kind of all there in Clyde. You know, everything was there. Uh, so... Um, in the end, they each got to do what they wanted to do, and uh, Rick Newsom designed a, a cover and back, and the images of the seven of them are used both on the front and the back of, of uh, uh, Live and, and Let Dance. Um, so um, as a photographer, uh, the Untouchables were basically a dream for me, and this picture of, of Clyde, truly is a gift from the gods. That, that's really basically all I can say about it. And uh, um, I'm very fortunate that uh, I did capture this image. The band's self-financed video for Free Yourself, which featured images from the Gargani photo session, won Billboard's indie music video of 1984. That video ultimately led to the band being signed by Stiff Records in the UK, where Free Yourself climbed to number 26 on the UK charts and the band later ended up working with Jerry Dammers of the Specials on their version of I Spy for the FBI. For Chuck Wren of Chicago-based Jump Up Records, one of the premier American ska labels, the picture of Clyde, was just as essential as the music he would later dedicate himself to. Chuck told me, The picture of Clyde immediately makes me remember one of my very first introductions to ska. My best friend's older sister had the picture of Clyde on the back of her jean jacket. I heard the UTs blasting out of her room. It was so cool. Many of the people I interviewed for the book name-checked Clyde and looked up to him. The Untouchables were notable for being approachable, and their band name was a nod to the idea that they were just like their fans who packed clubs to see them. Greg Lee, vocalist of Hepcap, who reminisced to me about meeting Clyde for the first time while hanging out with mods on Melrose Avenue, told me, Clyde Grimes was one of us. For Mark Michelle of Fresno's Let's Go Bowling, who were one of the earliest traditional American ska bands, meeting Clyde and the rest of the Untouchables for the first time in 1984 was life-changing. They were fans of the band before they had started their own band. Tropical Bird and the Generals, just like two of my favorite songs of all time. And 
sitting, you know, we were like, got there super early, sitting out on the curb in front of the club late afternoon. You know, van rolls up, doors fly out, and uh, stinking Clyde Grimes falls out. Hey, man, what's that? You know, it's like, wow, dude, Clyde Grimes. I got a piss, man. Where's the club? You know, and then pointing him in his way. But it was just like, and they were all super cool. So it's like, you know, people you kind of, that are your heroes like that, actually getting to meet them. And then you find out, hey, they're just normal guys just like you. You know, it was such, it was awesome and so, so surreal that, here, here we are, you know, I we had been to Untouchable shows before of them playing in Fresno, but not playing as a band. To actually be playing with them is just, you know, that's kind of good lord. And while the picture of Clyde has always been a potent symbol for all fans of American ska, it spoke deeply to many young men and women of color who rarely saw musicians who looked like them in popular culture or on MTV in the early 80s. So, uh, Clyde Grimes on the cover of the Ska Boom in American Ska and Reggae Oral History is the perfect choice, in my opinion. Uh, the shot is so iconic. The pose is eye-catching. Him being black, uh, of course, to me, was so relatable. Uh, I used to buy a lot of records that were on Stiff, on the Stiff record label, like Elvis Costello, Reckless Eric, Bad Manners, Ian Dury, and the Equators. But when I saw Clyde's picture on that release, it was super relatable. I mean, here's a guy... It looked like he could be my brother. And then when I heard the music and I saw it was inspired by music from my neighborhood, I was sold. Uh, it's also pretty amazing. Actually, pretty hard to get that iconic picture of a musician. Uh, a couple that come to mind are like Johnny Cash flipping off the camera, Paul Simonon smashing his bass on the London Calling album, uh, Billie Holiday singing on that Big Sure microphone, Chuck Berry doing his duck walk. So. The picture of Clyde kicking up his leg with that guitar is just so relatable to what I think the ska scene and the soul, the rebirth of the soul scene was about in America at that time in the mid-80s. That's John Bunkley, the lead singer of Gangster Fun, who helped to create a ska scene in Detroit and later across the Midwest, and are name-checked by both Mustard Plug and the Suicide Machines as a huge influence. The photo of Clyde is also an important reminder that some of the original American ska bands and ska scenes of the 80s, symbolized by the photo of Clyde, were created and supported by multiracial groups of young musicians and fans who embraced the look, sound, and ideals of two-tone, and in doing so helped to give birth to an American version of ska that would emerge in the mid and late 90s. The multiracial aspect was key to a young fan like my bigger Thomas bandmate Roger Apollon Jr. So the Clyde... Grimes' picture to me, well, the Untouchables were uh, a West Coast band, so a lot of my early ska was UK-based and then it was New York-based, so I didn't see the picture until later on, but seeing that picture of, you know, I mean, seeing that picture of a, a, a guy who, you know, in my mind looks like me playing a guitar and the pose, it just, I don't know, I just felt like... I was up there, you know, it was, a re- it was a representation of of me and that although two-tone has always been about black and white um, in America at the time, uh, you know, just seeing a, a black person featured uh, in a picture uh, about something positive at that time in the 80s um, was, uh, it meant a lot. So 
yes. Um, I did. I, I felt recognized and I just felt like if anybody had any issues about me feeling part of this music scene as a black person, that picture would, uh, would tell them, you know, shut up and I, I'm, I'm part of this music too, so. Clyde really was an accessible ambassador for American ska around the world. He had style for miles and could easily shred on the guitar. Fishbone's bassist Norwood Fisher told me, there's a little bit of Clyde Grimes in all of us in Fishbone. Nearly 40 years after taking the photo of Clyde, Gargani still acknowledges its iconic status. Tell you for a fact, I saw that image and I knew that it was the one and that it was an incredible image. I had no idea where it would go um, other than on the album, but uh, uh, I believe it's been a lot of places I'm not even aware of. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ska Boom Stories. The book is now available for presale through DeWolf Publishing at DeWolf.com. The first 500 presale orders will receive a free 80-minute CD mix called Ska American Style, courtesy of DJ Chuck Wren and Jump Up Records, which digs deep into the obscure world of privately pressed records, proving that American ska roots were firmly planted during the 80s alternative music underground. If you've listened and received some value from this episode, then please help support the podcast for as little as $3 per month on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash Podcast for more information. Thanks and take care.